Thank you. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, say, uh, if you were not able to, if I didn't give you enough time to, um, or, uh, you know, to prepare, uh, you know, for the uh, special offering, uh, you know, for the Walker family, uh, we will be sending the check, um, uh, you know, Thursday. So we have until Wednesday to be able to collect that. So if you were not able to do that today, you can, or this morning, you can do it tonight. Or Wednesday, um, and we will make sure that that gets sent into the district, uh, you know, to help support, uh, you know, the family. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Brian Walker is the one that last Friday or Friday a week ago, or yeah, Friday a week ago, he was helping a friend, or a friend was actually helping him uh, change a tire, and um, uh, you know, a drunk driver slammed into the back of the Jeep of his friend and killed the friend and him. Uh, you know, on the side of uh, Interstate 20, and uh, his family was, uh, Brian's family was actually in the van, and uh, they only received uh, minor bruises and stuff, uh, you know, from that accident, but just continue to be in prayer for, uh, you know, for that family. Uh, we were, uh, you know, had a wonderful service, uh, you know, Friday, uh, you know, down in uh, Columbia, uh, you know, and uh, his family is uh, going to be greatly, or he is going to be greatly missed, uh, you know, so... Just remember that, uh, you know, as you're going throughout this week. Uh, you know, this morning I want to talk to you, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, this temporary tomb. And one of the things, whenever we think about a temporary tomb, a lot of the times we think about the tomb that Jesus Christ was in, uh, you know, and that was the tomb that he borrowed from Joseph of Arimathea. So y'all remember that. He just simply borrowed it, and he borrowed it for three days. Uh, you know, how many of you have your grave plot, your, your grave you know, plot and stuff already picked out? You've already got it, it's already paid for, and you've got it, right? Uh, you know, no. See, a lot of us, you know, I don't have mine. Uh, you know, Peggy's like, she has to find a place, and I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I might go ahead and let her cremate me, uh, you know, and then sprinkle me somewhere. I don't know. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is that whenever we look at this, we all are just simply temporarily renting that space that our body is going to be in. Now, I, I want to bring this back. Uh, you know, it's not only Jesus that had the borrowed tomb. We have borrowed tombs. But let's take this one step further that every single person that lives on this earth or has lived on this earth, they all have borrowed tombs. I want to let you know, Paul talks about this, and Paul says that all will have transformed bodies. Now, it's in his letter to the church of Corinth, but we know that Paul is talking about Christians, uh, you know, having a transformed body. But let's also look into Scripture where Scripture says that the dead, that whenever the ones that do not receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they will spend eternity in hell and they will be in the lake of fire, you know, suffering and torment forever and ever. So if that's the case, then they can't be in this mortal body that we all possess now as well. 
for them to be able to be in a lake of fire and never be consumed, they have to be in an immortal body. Did that confuse you? If we're believing that Scripture tells us that, we will, that they will suffer for eternity in a lake of fire, then they can't be in an earthly body. They have to be transformed into an immortal body to be able to experience that unending anguish and pain. So we will experience that. Uh, you know, the key verse that we have for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 is where we're going to stay. And that's where the main part is, but I'm going to take you all over the place. So just go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, you know, there and begin with verse 54. And while you're turning there, uh, you know, we look at this and in this particular passage of Scripture... Paul is giving us, or uh, you know, in that passage, he is he is giving us or an answer to verse thirty-five. Okay, so in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse thirty-five, Paul says this. It says, "But someone will ask, how are the dead raised, and what kind of body?" will they come? So now let's look at the passage of Scripture that we're supposed to be, or is the key verse that we have, and it's from verse 54. In verse 54, verse 54, it says, death has been swallowed up in victory. So in verse 35, Paul is answering this question, or he is giving the questions as far as we would say if we read this or heard him in a conversation, we would ask those questions. Well, how is that going to be? What is it going to look like? So Paul then spends the rest of the chapter telling us what it's going to look like, and how it's going to happen. He breaks it down into three parts. You know, so let's give you these parts in verses... Verses 35, 36 through, 40, you know, through 44, it gives us an analogy that describes the resurrected body. And if you look in those passages of Scripture, those are the ones that talks about being a seed and planting a seed. And whenever you plant the seed, whenever it grows, it grows different and it looks different than the seed that it is, right? Uh, you know, so in other words, whenever our body is buried and it comes up out of the ground, it's going to be different than it is whenever it went into the ground. In verses 30, uh, 44 through 49, he tells us the need for the heavenly body as far as being transformed to existence or, uh, you know, for an earthly body. In verse 45, he tells us, the scripture tells us 
the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a living gift or a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are made of earth, like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like earthly men, we will someday be like the heavenly man. That is, if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there will be one day that this earthly body will no longer be our body, but we will have a heavenly body or an immortal body that will be able to live for eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. And Paul gives us all of this. Why does he give us all of this? And it's so that we can look at this. And it says that here in verse 55, what I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our spiritual body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what lasts forever. So the bodies that we live in, who we are, this physical body that we have, it cannot exist in heaven. It cannot exist in heaven because of the sin that has entered into the world through the first Adam, through Adam. And that scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whenever Adam sinned, that sin was passed on to all mankind. Everyone that lived after uh, you know, Adam has that, you know, has that sin in them. We all have to have a body that is changed to be able to spend eternity with Christ. Uh, you know, whenever we think about this and we think about this life, uh, you know, Billy Graham uh, you know, he passed away on February the 21st of 2018. Billy Graham was 99 years of age. It is estimated that in his lifetime that he ministered to over 250 million people and he spoke in 185 countries. And he spoke the message of salvation. Billy Graham, the humble man that he is, whenever he was buried, he was buried in a simple pine box made by an inmate from Angola prison. Now, I don't know if you know this, but all, if not, if not all, the majority of the inmates at Angola are living a life sentence without parole. That means that every one of or that these prisoners will not experience life outside of this prison. It means that each and every one of them that's there, that they will die within the walls or the fences of that prison. Most of them will be buried in Angola Cemetery. Uh, you know, Billy Graham, not only did he minister to the millions of people, but Billy Graham had a special 
place, or there was a special place in his life where Billy Graham loved and he ministered to the forgotten, the ones that were imprisoned. Uh, you know, we went to and we had our prison ministry last night. There were 14 of those inmates that raised their hand to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. 14 that we had the opportunity to minister to and to pray the sinner's prayer with. And we pray for them that from that moment on that, yes, their lives are changed. But they're free. They're free from the bondage of sin. We, some of us, are still slaves to sin. Because we have not truly relinquished or truly accepted or even asked for forgiveness of our sins. Luke chapter 14, with verse 18, it says, To proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free, is what Jesus has done. He has came for them, He has came for the widows and for the orphans. He has came for the lost and for the downtrodden. Jesus Christ faced death. He entered into death. He conquered death so that we may have life. See, whenever we look at this, this proclamation that Paul makes or this promise that Paul makes for us, death has been swallowed up in victory. It's through the life and through the death and burial of Jesus Christ that that has happened. We sung about it in one of our songs this morning. You know, do we truly believe that? And if we truly believe that, then how does it change our lives today? How do we live different today knowing that Jesus Christ has conquered death. That one of these days, if you have a three by six box or, or hole that's been dug into the grave, that one day that Jesus is going to speak, he's going to shout with a loud voice. And those bodies in those graves are going to come forth. The dirt that's covering them is going to open up and release those bodies. Hmm. How many of us truly understand? Because in that... We have this words from, these words that we have from John chapter 10, verse 10. Because see, Jesus did this so that we might have life. And not only have life, but that we might have life to full or to its full. 
Uh, you know, whenever we look at this, <clears throat> how many of you would, would like to go skydiving? How would you like to go? Some people raise their hands. Why do you not want to go skydiving? Come on, don't it, it, it doesn't make sense to jump out of a plane, uh, you know, a perfectly good plane. It's flying well enough to get me up there. Why am I going to jump out of it? Uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, we're, we don't jump out of it or we won't jump out of it because of fear. And we have fear of what? Falling. And we have a fear of falling because if you fall from a great height like that, you're going to die. So whenever we boil it down, we have a fear of death. Not a fear of life, but a fear of death. Although some of us are afraid to live. Some of us are afraid that whenever we look at John chapter 10, verse 10, that says that we have this life or that we are given this life so that we can live it to the full. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are afraid to live. We're afraid to live because if we live, we might fail. And if we fail... Will be embarrassed. Some of us are afraid to fail or afraid to live because we're not sure of what that life truly has for us. Some of us are afraid to live just simply because we don't know if we can live up to the standards that God has for us. We're afraid to do the things that he asks us to do. We're afraid to witness because someone might not like us if we witness to him. We're afraid to witness because we might offend someone. I was sitting at the poolside uh, reading my book uh, you know, last Thursday or last Friday and a lady down at the far end of the pool sneezed. Normally I just simply blurt out and say God bless you but I contemplated that. I'm like, well, I offend her if I say, God bless you. So then I rationalized it in my mind and I said, well, if I say Gonzantite, that means God bless you in Spanish, right? So I just simply said Gesundheit. It doesn't? German? Okay, good. <laughs> I knew it was something in German. So I just said, God bless you, but I disguised it just a little bit because I didn't want to offend. God says that he gave us this life and he wants us to live this life to the full. And we live this life to the full. Was that God bless you? Were you tempting me there? We live it to the full because we understand that whenever we die, whenever we take our last breath here on this earth, we take our first breath in heaven with Jesus Christ. 
because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because He died on the cross. Because He bore our sins on that cross. Because He died there. Because He was buried. But not only because of that, but because He rose from the grave. And let's think about it. The power of Jesus Christ that rose Him from the grave is living within us And because that power is living within us, then whenever we die, we will be raised from the grave. That same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave will raise us from the grave. Reverend Samuel Forez mentioned uh, the, um, uh, the thief that was on the cross in the funeral service and how Jesus told that gentleman that, you know the thief that was there on the cross that this day you'll be with me in paradise it doesn't mean that sooner that at some point in time you will be with me in paradise he said this day you will be with me in paradise whenever we breathe our last we don't go to purgatory We don't go to a place where our friends can pray us out of heaven or pray us into heaven. We don't go to a place where we have to do some more work to be able to reach our final destination. Scripture says that absent from the body is to be in the presence of our Lord God Almighty. That as soon as we breathe our last that we were right there in His presence. There's no prolongedness here. But the thing about it is, is that we all have to come to this conclusion. That we need the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave in our lives. I talked about Paul here in, in, first, in first Corinthians 15, talking about the first Adam and the second Adam. We look at the first Adam as being Adam and Eve, uh, and we find here that in this relationship that God had created first of all, uh, you know, on this earth with Adam, is that this life that he created really wasn't meant to end. That Adam and Eve was created to have an eternal existence with God Almighty. We find in the scripture, you know, that Jesus or that God walked with them in the garden. The walking gives us this understanding of consistency. It was in the afternoon or in the cool of the day that they heard Jesus or they heard God walking in the garden. Consistency. We were created to be with God Almighty for eternity. But sin entered into this world through Adam and Eve's sin whenever they listened to Satan question God and whether or not God truly meant what he meant. In Genesis chapter chapter 2 verse 17, God God had said, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. 
in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Brought in question. It questions me on why Eve was even talking to the snake to begin with. A good snake is a dead snake. I'm sorry, I know there are farmers and there's people that like the king snakes and uh, you know, like the black snakes because they eat other snakes or they chase the other snakes and stuff away. I'm not getting close enough to them to decide on whether or not you're a good snake or not. Dead snake is the best snake. I'm sorry, I wouldn't have been talking with him. Uh, you know, but here we are. Uh, you know, Eve is talking to the serpent and she is deceived by the serpent. It gives us the understanding that Satan, the serpent, uh, you know, the only thing that he is here for and that he is to do is just simply kill and destroy the people that believe in God or the ones that God has created. That's all he wants to do. So whenever we think and we look at this worldly life and the things that is there before us, we have to understand that the only thing that this worldly system that Satan has designed, the only thing that is, is designed to do is to destroy us and to separate us from God. Regardless of how good it looks. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul tells us this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned, or is sinned. Our enemy, Satan, just simply comes to kill and destroy. If you don't believe that, look into the book of Job, and you don't have to look any further than the first chapter, and look at verses 1 through, or 9 through 11. And it says, Satan replied, Lord, uh, you know, Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. He, you have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. See, Satan comes to God and asks permission to do this. Satan's task is to separate us from God and to have us to curse God. Jesus describes Satan as a murderer from the beginning. And he says he is only here to steal and to kill. But Christ Jesus, he conquered death by his own death and by his resurrection. Jesus was born into this world to die by crucifixion and to be buried. But to be raised again from the dead. We have this victorious life. That is given to us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
in the second chapter of Luke in verses 6 and 7. And while they were, <clears throat> and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes or swaddled, and swaddled him in strips of clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no lodging available in the inn. In John 19, 30 and 33, when Jesus had, taste, had, had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. But when it came, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs to fulfill the prophecy. Jesus was already dead on the cross. In John 19, verses, 1, verses 41 and 42, it talks about his resurrection. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Matthew 28, 6. The angel announced the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is here, or he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Because of that, Jesus Christ, in his defeat over death, we now have victory in life. Our tomb is rented. It's temporary because we won't be here for very long. But see, there's proof of Jesus' resurrection throughout Scripture. We look into the Scripture and we see that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And whenever He was resurrected from the grave... <clears throat> Jesus appeared to many of the people. He appeared to Mary of Magdalene. He appeared to the other women that were there with him. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, he appeared. He appeared before Peter. He appeared before the disciples there in Jerusalem. You remember, without Thomas? But then appeared to the disciples whenever Thomas was there. He appeared to the seven disciples at the Sea of Galilee. And he appeared to the disciples on the mountain. You remember the 500 people that he appeared to at one time? He appeared to James. We also see Jesus in the scripture where he was there with the disciples as he ascended into heaven. We also find in Scripture that Jesus appeared to Paul. And that is why Paul tells us that he is the last of the disciples or the least of the disciples. Paul was born at the wrong time, he said. But Jesus came to him. See, Jesus appeared to them and he ate with them and he talked with them and they touched him and he had drinks with them. He was alive. It's not that he was an admiration or he was a ghost. He was alive. And he is alive today. He defeated the grave. He defeated Satan. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says, But in fact, Christ has been risen from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. Did you get that? He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And he freed those who all, or who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ himself suffered for sin. Once, once he was suffered for sin once. He was not guilty, but he suffered for those who are guilty to bring to, to bring you to God. His body was killed, but he was made alive in the spirit. He was made alive in the spirit. Sin and death revealed its life on this earth is not as God intended it to be. We, we, we lose loved ones, loved ones of all ages. They breathe their last, their heart stops beating, their blood comes cold. Death for some is hopeless. Death for believers in Christ that is victorious because of Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 tells us this. The wisest man, Solomon, writes this. And he says, death is the destiny of everyone. Of everyone. We will all die. If not, Christ comes back. Our bodies will be raised. The Bible defines Jesus often as being the first fruit. It talked about the first fruits of the harvest that are all to come. That first fruit is the fact that Jesus Christ was the first to die and to raise from the grave. Never to die again. You got it? Never to die again. There were three in Scripture that was risen from the grave, but each one of those had to die again. So Jesus is talking about, and Jesus is the first fruit of those that die once and then are raised for eternity. Never to die again. No more pain. No more tears. To live with Jesus Christ in heaven forever and ever. He is the first fruits. And because of that, we can declare that our tomb is borrowed. 
that our tomb one day will open up and our earthly body will be transformed into a spiritual body. Our body because of what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus walked the path through death into eternal life. Jesus says to you today, walk with me. Walk with me. This morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what your walk is. I can tell you that there is absolutely nothing that is required of us except for belief in Jesus Christ. In accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. We don't have to go and get a shower. We don't have to change things in our lives. He just simply says, believe and trust in me. He says, follow me. Whenever he says, follow me, he says that all this that this world has put upon you, it doesn't make any difference. Just simply follow me. I don't require of you to do anything other than follow me. That doesn't mean that whenever you receive me as your Lord and Savior that you have to go out and witness to a thousand people. It doesn't mean that you have to change your clothes. It doesn't mean that you have to comb your hair or cut your hair or shave or, or whatever. All it means is that is He wants you to follow Him. And that you allow Him to make the changes. It's not you. It's Him. So as Robbie and them comes up, I ask this question. What is keeping you from receiving the life that Jesus Christ has to offer today? Let us stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. What is keeping you from receiving that life? That life that John chapter 10 verse 10 talks about that is life to the full. What's keeping you from that today? Raging at my feet, I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face Every fear of the unknown I can hear All God's children singing out We will not be overtaken We will 
The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us. It lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks. The same power. It lives in children singing out we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome the same power that moves from the grave the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us it lives in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks the same Father, we thank you so much for today, and God, we thank you that uh, because of your son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross, but more than that, dear Lord, his resurrection, and because of that, we have power over death, and that these bodies will one day be transformed into an immortal body, that we would spend eternity with you in heaven. Jesus' name, amen. Just want to make a couple of announcements for you this morning. Just remember that 